Hey, Steve. Do you have anything exciting to share by chance? I might have a story to tell. A good story? Well, it depends on if you like turkeys or not. I do like turkeys. Do you? Do you like to eat them? I do like to eat <laughs> okay, them. Okay, then. Well, I got a story for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Oh, well, uh, Friday the 15th was opening day of turkey season, and I managed to get our first turkey. Woo! Yeah, we tried. I tried very hard last year. How many weekends did I hunt last year? Felt like five or six weekends. Straight. At least. I was gone the whole time. Found birds every time. Couldn't seal the deal. And uh, this time, opening season started at 6 a.m. on Friday, and uh, bird down, 6.45. 6.45. I woke up at 7 o'clock to a text message from Steve with a picture of him with his bird, and I couldn't even believe it. <laughs> I couldn't either. It uh, did not go as planned. Uh, the night before said hunt, I was not optimistic, to a point where I was on my Onyx looking for plan B. Because I was positive I was not going to find any birds. So yeah, I uh, went hunting. I went up Thursday uh, to try and scout birds. I wanted to try and roost something. So packed up my gear, headed south, uh, went for a hike. In the evening time, turkeys have a tendency to gobble when they get up on the roost. Letting all the other turkeys know where they were. And so I found a high point that I could listen a lot. And I heard silence. It was very quiet out there. I remember you saying that you weren't optimistic. It didn't look good. It, it was didn't cold. look good at all. It was The cold. forecast didn't look there good. There was a lot of water. There was a lot of water there. That place is like a desert. And there was water everywhere. Like a creek running through it. I sent you a picture of yeah. it. Yeah. Didn't know that water flew through there, but last time I hunted this area last year, it was middle of May, so almost a month from now, and it's been really wet around here. So yeah, I went to bed, not sure that there were birds. I had heard a couple of birds on private property that I knew there were a couple of birds on private property from the year before. I didn't even hear them gobble. So that was my only thing was like, maybe they just aren't gobbling at night. So I made a plan B that if I couldn't find birds in the morning gobbling, I would just scoot out of there and try and find someplace else. Slept terrible. It was, uh, I think, 30 degrees in the morning. I am 40 years old and slept in the cab of the truck which was quite painful and cold uh, getting up at four was not hard because i was ready to get out of the truck <laughs> so i woke up at 4 a.m made some oatmeal and some coffee threw my camel on a backpack and uh loaded up the shotgun and started walking you had your decoys your backpack your shotgun all your camo gear i was ready and i have a lot more gear and so uh, i started hiking and uh, I was going to hike a trail that I had hiked the year before and just do some locating and see if I heard anything in the morning. And I uh, got up on the first hill and immediately heard birds on private property. <laughs> That's right. And uh, those birds were plentiful. I heard one and then I heard two. And there must have been at least five or six toms. Who knows how many hens. They were in big groups still, which I didn't really consider when I went up there. Will you explain to me that they are in bigger groups when it's colder? Is that right? Uh, they group up for the winter time, and then when they come into breeding season, they are still in big groups. And then when the hens start to break off to go nest, then the, the birds kind of scatter and come into smaller groups. My understanding, I'm not a veteran by any means. So I think being earlier in the season, everybody's just 
grouped up together, which is why I think they didn't call much at night because they knew right where they were because they were sitting next to their buddy. So they gobbled. Uh, I finally located them on private property and they were quite a ways from public. And uh, I sat up there and I made a plan in my head. I was going to see if they came to me and then I'd set up and I would try and shoot one. And if they headed down the hill, which is what I suspected they were going to do, but I wanted to see it, I was going to haul down the hill as fast as I could, set up some decoys, and see if I could pull these birds over the fence onto the private or onto the public land and take a shot. And so I was moving. And my golly, those birds were moving too. They, The gobbles were just flying down the hill. I kept looking over my shoulder expecting to see a tom <laughs> coming right after me and never did. And then one time I looked back around and standing right in front of me, about 50 yards away, was a lone tom, quiet as can be, staring right back at me. We scared each other. Uh, <laughs> I was standing there, no shell in the shotgun, shotgun on my shoulder, decoys on my shoulder, no face mask pulled up, making as much noise as a hunter possibly could through the woods because I was trying <laughs> to get below the other birds. And strangely, this bird didn't take off. He stared at me with his little uh, periscope eye and twisted and bobbed and weaved. And uh, we stared at each other for what felt like forever. Probably lasted five minutes tops. Um, there was a small shrub in front of me and I decided that if he didn't spook, first opportunity, I was going to drop to the ground, drop all my stuff. And so I did. He uh, finally calmed down. He started walking around and he kind of got his head behind a six inch oak tree. And uh, I hit the deck, threw everything on the ground, racked a shell and kind of stayed out of sight, pulled my mask up. And then he came out from behind the tree and he's watching me the whole time. And he keeps going in and out behind these little, these little trees. And every time he does, I move just a few more inches to try and get set up on him. And I'm realizing that he's going to come right across the front of me. And if he stays high, he'll be in range. And so I kind of get set up on him and he's coming up to a big rock and he decides to go down below the rock, which is great because now he, I got a few seconds, legit seconds to get set up where he can't see me. But I realize if he doesn't come back up, bye bye birdie, <laughs> he's gone. I, he's going to be out of range and out of sight and I'm not set up for anything. I don't even have a call on like there in my pocket. I don't have one in my mouth. I got nothing. I got a shotgun. And so, uh, Luckily, he comes around the rock, and he kind of scoots back up the hill a little bit towards me. And right about the time he gets to a last tree, I decide, you know what? I think he's in range, and I think he was about 30 yards, and I shot bird down. And that was uh, quite exciting for me, because I put a lot of hours in looking for birds, hunting birds, and I was thrilled. It was really, it was really intense. It was a really <laughs> intense story. I have never hunted. I've never taken an animal's life, but and and you haven't either. Have you? I have hunted. We used to go with family and deer and elk hunting. I have never. I've taken shots at animals once or twice. I have never made contact with an animal. Never bird hunted. Um, that's not true. I have shot a couple of quail in my life. That's okay. about all I've done. Okay. Much smaller bird. Much smaller bird. <laughs> so it was. Uh, a very exciting feeling for you to have studied on YouTube and listened to podcasts and read magazines and watched shows and studied and studied and studied and then all the trips you took last year, all of the time that you've taken between this year and last year to learn more about it and yeah. uh, in 45 minutes you stumbled upon a bird in opening season and down he went and, down and he it went. seemed all like... All the extra gear I purchased, all the extra practicing I did, 
on calls did nothing for me. It was pure dumb luck. Which is wild to me <laughs> that you put so much into it and just you two stumbled upon each other. So right. I am better, super thankful for that bird's life and for his better meat day in my for freezer. me than him. Yes. But then the hard work began because I've never really cleaned a bird like that before. I uh, watched all the videos and had all the uh, digital media to figure it out. But uh, yeah, that was interesting. It took longer than it probably should have. What'd you learn from your first kill out in the field? Getting like wild the, game in the freezer for our family. I feel like from the start of it, the first thing is uh, if you're going to pluck your bird, you should pluck them completely <laughs> in the field. Because I did a pretty good job of it, but I left a few spots unplucked. And when I got home, there was just no way that that was happening again. If you're going to pluck your bird, start to finish. Just finish it. Um, I ended up skinning the bird and just taking the meat off of it because I didn't pluck it well enough. Which is fine. We didn't waste any meat. I learned there's quite a bit of meat on those. That was a big bird. And we're going to get about five meals out of this. Um, we already made some turkey nuggets, which were a hit with everybody. We had your mom here. She loved them. We loved them. The mm -hmm. kids loved them, which the if the them. kids love them, you know it's good eating. Um, it was much more tender than yeah. I thought it would be. Um, it was so juicy. It was so... Yeah, yeah. tender is a great word to explain it. It was you just delicious. hear a lot about wild game and tough and it was none of those things. Um, granted, we fried up little nuggets. We got more recipes to have. We're going to do tacos. Uh, Wendy really wants some schnitzel. Oh, man. So we're going to do some turkey, turkey schnitzel. schnitzel. And Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then we kept one whole breast, which I mean, that's probably a two-pound hunk of meat. Something like that. It it's was a, pretty a big lot bird. of meat once deconstructed. And yeah. The wild game is part of our homestead plan, essentially. Yeah. The idea would be when we did live on our when we do live on our homestead that we will have wild game as a regular part of our We're hoping to fill, yearly fill freezer, freezers. Yeah. Freezer fill. Uh, in Oregon you're allowed to shoot I have to double check, but at least three a year. I'm not sure if you can have a fourth in the fall or if that counts towards your three, but you can shoot at least three turkeys a year, which not a ton of food, but the tags are cheap if you're a resident. Grayson's growing up quick and very interested in it. So, I mean, that's three more birds. If we can ever talk Wendy into it, that's a few birds. Plus, we plan on big game and we haven't really gotten into it, but we're going to put a good effort into fish this year, this summer. Fishing season is it's probably about a month out before it really kicks off around here. Um, we're not into the salmon steelhead thing yet, mostly because we're not geared up for it. And I think that season is going currently, but we're not ready for it. So we're going to try our hand at some other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we want to harvest as much of our own protein as possible. I already picked up another tag, so we'll give another turkey a go here in a month or so. we got some travels. Speaking of food, though, Wendy. Yeah, speaking of how food. How is that garden looking? Oh, man. I am so excited for gardening season. We got uh, three yards of dirt at the house. Strategically timed to happen while I was not here. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Had it delivered Friday while he was trekking around in the beautiful Southern Oregon wilderness, tracking birds. I was muscling three yards of soil with my mother. 
who was awesome, and we shoveled almost all of that dirt. Yeah, that there weekend. wasn't much left at all when I got home. We did awesome. We filled all of the barrel planters. We filled buckets for container planting. We put about two inches of fresh topsoil in the garden area and filled the raised beds, dusted the front yard and backyard for all of the bulbs and everything that is looking a little neglected. We have not done a whole lot with our front yard, so it's kind of needed a little bit of love. We moved everything around. We got all of the dirt in and... The chickens are super happy. I'm going to have to kick them out of the garden area this week, which will make them super unhappy. Not happy. Whatever. We're going to deal with that later. In the greenhouse, we have some starters coming up. They're not doing as great because the weather has just been... It has been. We have... An actual nightmare around here. There's... In one week, we've gotten 65 degree temperatures, freezing temperatures, hail, floods incredible winds. Our greenhouse didn't get, so we didn't seal it up. I Now I'm feeling like we probably should have taken the time to seal up the greenhouse and maybe would have been a little easier. too much, but... You don't think so? I think the weather swings have just been tough. We need to regulate the temperature in there a little better. If I don't start seeing more activity with my starters, I might have to bring them in the house to get them to germinate where it's nice and consistent and warm and then pull them out to the greenhouse when they're at least out of the ground or out of the soil. I I did want to pass on a really cool gardening hack that I learned from Brian on the Homestead Journey podcast. If you aren't listening to Brian for all your homesteading topics and questions, you should be. He's pretty cool to listen to and he's got some really awesome insight. He had an episode about seeds and what he does is he takes empty toilet paper and paper towel roll, puts his dirt and his seeds in there, and then the roots will grow down through there and you don't have to worry about roots getting bound up. And then when you go to plant them in the ground, you can either cut the toilet paper roll or you can just put the whole shebang in the dirt. I'm really excited to see how that turns out because I actually have sprouts coming up. It's absolutely working. If I could probably regulate the temperature in the greenhouse, I probably would have had a lot more success. So Yeah, we planted everything when it was beautiful out here. And mm-hmm. then it's just been the humidity, the rain, the hail. I mean, it hailed for four days straight. And yeah. then freezing temperatures. I mean, it snowed three to four inches in Portland in April. Yeah. I think it was on record the latest snow that Portland's received in a long time. I work in the wine industry and uh, the Wine Growers Association that I work for just started talking about what the effect of this frost will have on the bud break for the grapevines. It could potentially affect uh, one of our major industries in this area and agriculture. I mean, our blueberry bushes out front had beautiful blooms on them and they are all sad looking they're, they're all still attached sad, but still there so I'll be they're curious attached what but they are weepy i have uh we're out of town this weekend but it is seeming like the weather's gonna warm up a little bit and then a couple storms after that and i i think we're gonna get a, a run of good weather so i'm excited to see what happens there I definitely uh, am worried about it, but worst case scenario, I throw some new seeds in when we get back from out of town this weekend and I start them inside. 
part of this uh, podcast is we are learning. We this are is learning a so much. Journey. So we are in April still. We have plenty of time. And worst case scenarios, we know a lot of other people planting plants. We'll just get some starters. Yeah. But I'm confident it's going to work. It's just been a tough start to the year. It's very unpredictable here in Oregon. Springtime. Absolutely. We also made some new planters this year. We have one section of our backyard that is kind of an alleyway on the back side in the backyard. It's a very useless space. And unfortunately, it does not get the most sun. We've tried to grow stuff back there. there before, but the neighbors cut down a tree now and we feel like there's a little bit more sun back there. And uh, squash has always been a plant that we, just, we can grow it like a wheat. It doesn't yep. stop growing. It always overproduces. Also, they take up space. We grow spaghetti squash. We love spaghetti squash, but it is a bulky plant. So this year we have done three custom raised beds. I think Wendy took some pictures, so she'll probably post those up. A few years back, I got into some barrel furniture made for some chairs and ended up with the rings on the barrels which seems silly to throw those out so we've been holding on to them I took some sticks from our little appleish tree out front I think it's a crab apple nothing fancy took some of those sprouts cut them up they're dried and used those to kind of stake into the ground and ended up stacking these rings up to about six inches and filling them with dirt so we have like little six inch wine barrel ring planter boxes which I think came out pretty sharp looking they're definitely primitive um, the hope is we can get some squash back there like i said the neighbor's tree's gone so we have more sunshine if we can grow anything it's a squash plant we'll see if we can fail squash plants as well it's kind of where can we not where grow can squash we not grow squash yeah exactly and if it fails it fails we we can get squash elsewhere everybody else grows squash and coming out their ears so yeah we're gonna do uh there's three raised barrel rings so we're gonna do two delicata squash plants two butternut squash plants and two spaghetti squash plants yeah we'll just plant a couple in each and we'll barrel. see who survives so then you know hopefully, hopefully it works hopefully it works last year our spaghetti squash plant took over our garden area and we ended up kind of draping it over our fences that were kind of around Which the worked garden well area too. Kind of it worked it. great it almost like trellised, trellised it up yeah, yeah. It and great. it kept them from rotting and they grew huge yeah. so if you have the ability to kind of drape your squash over some fences like yeah. it worked out pretty pretty well the number one thing we do with them is uh we do meatballs and red sauce. Um, we used started out doing it on the crock pot. We would just yeah, throw out all the pot. kids in the in the crock pot and cook them mm-hmm. all together. And then uh, Wendy started doing just I guess roasting them in the oven. And mm-hmm. we like them. They come out with a little char, a little crisp, just a little flavor. A little but the nice part about them is they they keep really well without much work. You don't need to cellar them up. I wish we had a root cellar. I though. wish we had a root cellar too. But in terms of plants that or fruit fruiting plants that go bad, like the spaghetti squash, Sticks it holds around. on tight for a while. Back to the barrel ring planters. I can't even remember where you got that idea. Uh, I just came up with it. Okay. <laughs> Never day. All right. Well, it's a really cool and I can't I've been hanging on to those rings it. for a very long time and have just been looking for something to do with them and sound like so a good idea. Yeah. Ours are built up with three or four rings each. I think the basic idea was it of it was that a squash plant is planted as a mounded plant. You generally mound up a little hill and then plant your seeds on top of that hill. Um, so my idea was if I mounded them up and used these rings to kind of hold the dirt that we would have mounded squash hills. Yep. So we're going to find out how it goes. Is there anything else in the city that we wanted to talk about? We're going to start our kitchen remodel. We are going to start our kitchen remodel. We pick up flooring on Monday. The cabinets are delivered on the 9th, I believe. 
Yeah, we're out of town for a couple of weeks, so we're not going to post any episodes for a while. So I know you'll miss hearing our sweet, lovely voices. Just go back and listen to the other episodes. (laughs) I think that's the only thing where, yeah, we're kicking off the kitchen remodel Memorial Day weekend. And then the weekend before Memorial Day, we'll be out at the property, which to the property. Yeah, we're about done. I'm so tired of the mud in the swamp here that all I want to think about is summer at the property. Yeah, so we'll be the weekend before we go back to the property, though. I'm going to go try and get another bird. So hopefully we'll have another exciting turkey story with more calling and clucking and decoys and action because maybe I won't stumble on one. Maybe I will. Who cares? It's meat in the freezer. Yeah. Moving on to the Dirty 30 update. Uh, Not much has happened. The septic is on the forefront. It is. Yeah. I emailed the person that I need to talk to to get the permit for the septic and it is a three page application. I thought it would be so much more information and it is. Not hardly anything. So info on a site plan. I think they really just want money, so I need to figure out how much money to send them. Uh, Typical government paperwork. So next time we go up to the property, we'll talk to the machine guy and see. He wanted to see our site evaluation, right? Yes, because the site evaluation or uh, the perk test, I guess, is uh, states kind of what you need, the minimal things, which, you know, we need a thousand gallon tank and uh, don't quote me, but I think 220 linear feet of leech Mm -hmm. line. I kind of looked into it a little bit and decided that I just need a little help with it. So uh, this guy's done it before. So we kind of want to just take that up there, get him on site, pick his brain. I think some of the information that we're going to pull from him is going to be required for the permit itself just to kind of discuss what we're doing pretty ready to move forward we'll be the contractors on the septic plan so not sure when we'll get that done but we'll need to be on site i'm hoping don't know for sure that we can accomplish this in a weekend time will tell yeah we're gonna find out that's for sure the first step is definitely to get the permit plan with the machine guy yeah and just kind of talk to him and see what he what his feedback is and what his guidance is about how to move forward with it but i mean definitely the first step is the permit then we need to buy materials i think we need to buy a tank i think part of it as well you and i have talked about potentially because we're not talking about getting a well drilled until next year do we need to get a water tank i think we're gonna for the septic tank i think we're gonna have to have water on site for the test so then the question is do we get a water tank just for the test and just for maybe a porta potty situation, just to fill a little toilet in a bathhouse. Well, I think we or... spoke about it on the last episode. We're throwing around the idea of building a, a makeshift water tower, something that can hold oh, yeah. three to 500 gallons. I found a little article online that spoke to, I think it said you needed 200 gallons of water plus. 50 gallons per bedroom or something like that. I don't know. I did There's the an math. equation. Yeah, and I about and I, how much water you need for a septic cuz you once you get the septic installed, you have to have enough water on site for the approval cuz you have to get a, a septic inspection after so it's septic permit, septic installation, septic inspection. inspection. And to pass the inspection, you have to have X amount, which is the formula that Steve's throwing out here, which is a generic formula. I don't know, but I'm guessing we needed uh, 350 gallons of water of to water test to test it. But so. we think that having a little water tower out there not a terrible idea for the future. No, I don't mind the probably idea of having gonna a be, water tower. Probably be cheaper than hiring a truck to come up there for the day anyways just to build it and then we could slowly start trucking water up there. I don't know. Well, and if we just had to pay for a truck to come out once to fill up the tank and then we'd have enough to flush the system and then a little yeah. left over. Yep. 
And we've talked about getting a couple of, you know, 60 gallon barrels and packing our own water up there. And it'd be nice to just keep that thing full. Mostly for, you know, there's fire dangers. There's Absolutely. irrigation at a certain point. Yeah. Just to have it. Cleaning dishes, cleaning ourselves. The kids love playing in the water. We're going to get a little diving on, in on the uh, septic system with Machine Guy. That's the plan. I would really like to not have to drill the well this year. But if we have to drill the well this year, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. We can't get a read on what that's going to cost and depth seems to be depth is the, the factor thing. and in this particular area it's really hit and miss it I sounds really like there's that the... guys that hit them quick and there's yeah. guys that go deep and yeah we're gonna we're gonna go down the, the water witcher we're gonna see what one of those guys gonna says we're gonna uh, the neighbors Are we gonna Oh, yeah. The neighbors said they can do it. and Our welcome wagon guy. I'll be totally honest. I bet you he'd do it for a sixer. So I'm (laughs) probably just going (laughs) to see if he'll come walk the property with me. And we'll have a few beverages. He won't walk the property with you. He's already said he's going to ride that that side by side. That's true. Anywhere you want him to go. (laughs) That's true. I enjoy a good uh, four-wheeler ride, though. I think the only other thing that we were really kind of focused on with the property this weekend was how we were going to get internet and phone and internet and or phone access and when we were up there looking at the property initially and ever since we've been up there we see these uh, landline telephone boxes they're obviously telephone boxes it doesn't have any service provider on there at all but several of our neighbors have talked about how they have internet but no one's really said like this is the internet to get so I ended up emailing the guy at uh, Wheeler County Economic Land Planning Development Office I think he's got a thousand different roles, but he is a incredibly sweet, wonderful. Everyone I've worked with with the county of Wheeler is that was a really weird sentence. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the Wheeler County people are so sweet and wonderful and helpful. And I I think that all of them like type with a smile on their face. They type their emails like smiling, like so happy. Anyways, he said that uh CenturyLink is the tell is the landline service provider, which seems easy enough, and I don't know why I couldn't find that online. Then he listed off a whole like list of people or service providers for the internet and I'm suddenly not worried about being able to get internet out there. I also in my research found that because we have AT&T and you have Verizon for your work phone. Correct. We don't have great service up there. I can get like a bar up in a tree. Like if I'm up in this juniper tree kind of by the driveway I can get a bar and send a text message and tell my mom that we made it and that's that's it. I can't do anything else. But I'm looking around at all these internet service providers and I found that T-Mobile might have really good service there. So I'm really excited to kind of find uh, out. That's news to me. So I know. T-Mobile. We'll have to get a T-Mobile phone up there and see what happens. Right? Well, I found this internet called Nomad Internet. Super fascinated. Can't wait to deep dive on it. They They offer a completely portable internet and one of their routers is even battery operated. So you don't even have to have a power source for your router. Absolutely meant for the traveling YouTuber. I swear. It's, I love technology when it, when it works for me. When it works, I love it so much. But they've got very interesting pricing though. It's like got a membership. You're like, you're a member of their internet. Okay. So you pay this one annual membership fee or is it a one-time membership fee? I feel like I need to look at this. One-time membership fee of $100, but it's like discounted on the site when I looked at it. So I don't know if it's still, (laughs) if it's really $100 
dollars or if it's I don't know whatever this price is. You gotta hook those nomads. I guess. And then it's like it looks like all three of their plans are one hundred and fifty dollars a month. It's unlimited high speed internet no matter where you go, but you get like the best internet available for where you are. So they have this map that you can click on and show you, and it looks like one of their it's like the strong pink plan, which I thought was a really strange name. <laughs> Oh, right? I'm like, the strong pink plan. Is this, I don't know what's happening here. to the weak green. <laughs> oh, the lazy orange plan. Super strong red. I don't even know. Well, it had a button that said plan coverage. So I checked it out and it like links directly to T-Mobile. So whatever, the strong pink plan. The pink has to do with T-Mobile, you know, because everything T-Mobile is pink. You know? uh, I hate that you get it? so much. You get it? Yeah, ah, come on, yeah, you're fine. Okay. Ah, it's all right. <laughs> but anyways, so the strong pink plan uses Verizon, and that uses the Verizon 5G, which, according to the map, we could probably use. So I'm kind of pumped about that, because then we can kind of take it anywhere we go. Yeah. We could talk to you people. But boy, $150 a month is steep. That steep. is a good point, yeah. And, uh, I'm going to need sponsors head. on the podcast. <laughs> Line up, kids. So uh, that was kind of the research that we've done on yeah. so property stuffs. A little more to do on the internet, a little more to do on the septic. Mm-hmm. We're headed back there in a month. This place is on hold because we ain't going to be here in the city No, for a few weeks. No, but June, end of May and June, we are devoting to post, this house. Post-kitchen remodel. Raise Getting on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I am looking forward to everything that uh, we are going to do. Yeah, so until May, I guess we will plan on releasing another episode to everybody around Memorial Day and give everybody a recap. I know you'll all be sitting on pins and needles waiting to find out if Steve gets another turkey this year. Oh, baby. I'm so excited to find out. I'm so proud of you for putting some wild game, high quality, harvested yourself, you know where your food came from, meat in the freezer for our family. We have our Thanksgiving turkey already. We are not going to contribute to that consumerism. That's right. And we're going to have a bunch of vegetables. I can't wait for our first real meal with it. Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah, super excited. There is a chance we get another little episode out to people before then but yeah if not mini mini we'll see well we'll see well what's our first meal are you gonna make me that schnitzel i really need you to figure out when you're gonna make that schnitzel it feels like the uh tacos might be the first meal because i can throw it in a crock pot for the day and we have a busy schedule coming up I've got time to be pounding meat on the counter. Okay, fine. I guess we'll figure out how to do schnitzel later. And we will talk to all of you later. That's right. Say bye, Steve. Bye, Steve.